Welcome to In the Lap of the Pods Queen podcast with Paul, Joe and myself, David. So this is our fifth podcast and we're focusing on Queen's fifth album, A Day at the Races. So far, uh, we have had some guys engaging with us on Twitter and Facebook, so thanks very much for that. Really appreciate it. And some really good feedback so far, um, because the first podcast actually dropped yesterday and it's been received so far pretty well so really 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 pleased with that yeah so thanks very much and uh yeah keep talking to us as well keep uh, joining the, the discussion hopefully you'll listen to all the rest as well and you'll actually be listening to this one as well so that'd be really cool cheers salut skull slanjava i hope you keep listening before we get into a day at the races. I wanted to bring up the fact that Brian May has been voted the greatest rock guitarist of all time uh, by Total Guitar magazine. So I thought that was really cool and definitely recognition that was long overdue. I think we said in one of the previous podcasts that it's a bit of a shame that you know he hasn't given the recognition that he deserves. And there you go, out of nowhere, <laughs> he gets voted the best rock guitarist of, of all time. And it's really cool that, you know, his peers such as Steve Vai are coming out and celebrating this fact, you know, and, and I think that's that's brilliant. Brian actually said about it, when he got the award, he said, I will never claim to be a great guitarist in the sense of, you know, a virtuoso. I guess I just try to play from the heart and that's about it. So I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a really cool statement. I think us three gents would agree with that. You know, that's that's how we always saw his playing. Aye, I agree mm-hmm. with that. Yep. That is that is what makes you the best built. That is what makes you good. It's not not always technical ability. It's being able to try and transcribe what's in your head into your guitar. So absolutely, uh, and and your heart is Brian saying as well. Yep, no, totally. So um, I think it's really really cool that um he's been recognising this, and I know there'll be a lot of probably a lot of backlash on the back of it, but you know who cares really about that? And as I said before, these top 10s, top 100s, things don't really matter that much, but I'm just very pleased, and I think we're all very pleased that he's been, yeah, like I say, been recognised, so that is really cool. Okay, let's talk about A Day at the Races. So, Queen's fifth album it was released on the 10th of December 1976, so really approximately one year after A Night at the Opera. And this was actually the first album Queen recorded without Roy Thomas Baker. I've actually got no idea why Roy Thomas Baker wasn't involved in this album. I can't find any information on that. And if there's anyone out there that can shed light on that, that would be really cool. So, you know, drop us a tweet or, you know, comment in Facebook or whatever. And that would be cool to find that out. But it was Mike Stone who obviously was working with Queen on the previous four albums as engineer. So he worked with Queen um, in the production duties, mostly still being the engineer on the album, but Queen sort of produced this album themselves. When it was released, it was received, it was a bit of a mixed bag, but, you know, Winnipeg Free Press said, Races is a reconfirmation of Queen's position as the best of the third wave of English rock groups. Rolling Stone, I suppose pretty predictably, they said that Freddie has a passable pop voice (laughs) and Brian May was pedestrian. Imagine, Mm. yeah. Yeah. It's typical of their own stone, I suppose, you know. Okay, uh, let's start getting getting some thoughts on the album. So, Joe, I'm going to actually come over to you. 
and uh, see. <laughs> Are you paying attention, Joseph? Uh, <laughs> I like you coming me first after the stress <laughs> off, <aren't> you? <laughs> uh, so, Joe, um, what's what's your initial thoughts on on a day at the races? How would you describe it as an album? We'll obviously get a summary at the end from you, but um, just at this, just to kind of start us off, what's your, what's your take on the album? Well, listening to it intensely over the past week or so, obviously I'm really familiar with the album anyway, but under proper analysis, it stands up way better than I remember it in the past. It was always one of my less favourite 70s era Queen albums, but um, that's totally changed. My opinion has flipped completely. Uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I don't think there's anything... That, you know, I don't think there's any bad tracks on it where you know I, I could say there was lesser um, tracks on A Night at the Opera, definitely for me anyway. But yeah, it's it's, it's kind of it's been a, a real surprise to go back and, and really analyse it and, and nitpick it and, and actually realise just how complex an album it actually is. Because I always kind of consider it being considered it being a little less progressive, if you like. But in actual fact, it's, it's probably just as progressive in a lot of elements than the you know than a night of the opera was i think it's um i think it's a much meatier album as well i actually think um not having roy thomas baker involved in this record isn't a hindrance in any way that i can see i think it actually sounds better than a night of the opera mm-hmm. from a production um standpoint it's a lot meatier i don't know just everything just seems to be a lot more upfront in it if you know what i mean mm-hmm. production wise it's right in your face, whereas the Night of the Opera, I think, is, is you know, I, I, I think technically it's a great album. Like, you know, the, you know the, the techniques they use to record it. But I think this sonically sounds far, far better. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a, well, we'll get into a proper discussion about it, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hit that's definitely moved right up in my estimation over the past uh, couple of weeks or so. So you said that at the start of Opera the last one and then at the end that you change your mind so I wonder if you'll change your mind at the end of this one do you think? No I definitely don't because yeah, I, cause, because I really really gave because I always I, I almost oversold the night of the opera well I know I did say that the night of the opera it moved up and it did a bit it, it, you know because night of the opera to be honest was never really one of my favourite Queen records anyway and neither was a day at the races so it did move up slightly, but A Day of the Races has moved up way more than A Night of the Opera has. Whereas if you'd asked me before uh, what was a better album, I would have probably said A Night of the Opera. Probably because some of my favourite, or a couple of my favourite Queen songs are on A Night of the Opera. But as an album, as a cohesive piece of work, uh, uh, and something that you know um, stands as you know as as like one unit, I think it's a it's a Far stronger record, definitely. I I've got the feeling that um, we're going to be quite in a in a lot of agreement with us. I've just got a vibe that, that I think that we're going to agree quite a lot on this album. Uh, the the production, yeah, but it was one of those albums that I always prefer always preferred the the sound of a day at the races to a, a night at the opera. I love the drum sound on a night at the opera. I think the drum sound fantastic, and I think they sound great again on this album. Uh, but maybe just a slight bit beefier. You know, really lovely drum sound on, on a day at the races. I think they've really captured a really cool sound. So I agree with you there, uh, Joe. Paul, um, a day at the races. 
this is all, this album's always been treated as a companion piece to a night at the opera, um, and therefore probably unfairly it's lived in its shadow. And I think if you take this um, away from a night at the opera, and you forget about a night at the opera, this is an absolutely superb album. And as much as I love a night at the opera, it's my favourite Queen album. There are there is one particular track, Sweet Lady, that I, I really don't care for. But on a day at the races, there's none of these tracks that I, I consider, a, you know, a weak track, or you know, I would prefer if it wasn't there or whatever. And I agree with you two guys about the the, the sound, especially the bass. Uh, John Deacon's bass is quite prominent in the mix. In certain tracks, certainly the Millionaire Waltz, it's like lead bass the guys play, and it, and it's incredible. The guys amazing. The drum sound superb. Uh, yeah. Sonically, uh, it just seems a, a more coherent, uh, you know, the, we spoke on an opera about, about how Bohemian Rhapsody didn't really sound like any of the other tracks, whereas in this album, everything uh, uh, is on a, a more level playing field. And it's, it's maybe a wee bit more low-key than a night the opera as well, in terms of, you know, it, there's nothing here that's particularly pompous or bombastic or overly you know, ambitious. <laughs> nothing pompous not, on this album. Not compared to a night opera, no. I agree with that. I as much there's, night opera there's, as there's, no, there's no Bohemian Rhapsody or Prophet song in this album, uh, as far as I can see. But there we go. We're, we're already disagreeing. So no, <laughs> no, it wasn't a disagreement, um, it was just putting putting something to you because yeah. I think it's definitely got its share of pomposity on this album, you know. But uh, I mean, in comparison to yeah, Night no, Opera, I Night yeah, Opera is yeah. completely that, over yeah, the top. So, yeah, um, yeah. The instrumentation, the you know, the, yeah. the the work that went into individual tracks and all that, I don't think that's here on this album. I think the guys are more relaxed and you know they're, they're taking it. You know, don't get me wrong; they obviously worked their ass off because you know some of these tracks are incredible. You know, in terms of their arrangements and all that, but I think they've you know, they're, they're a bit more relaxed and, and, and more maybe more confident in themselves. You know, they, they, I absolutely don't have to spend a month on one track. You know, let's just try and get it as quickly as possible, keep the vibe and all that kind of stuff. There's a, there's, there's tracks here that are more kind of vibey and all that, if you know what I mean, than, mm-hmm. you know, that they've not been overworked in a, in a sense. That, you know, they're keeping their vibe. For instance, White Man is quite sparse. Um, it's got vocal harmonies in it, but they, they didn't overwork it and mm-hmm. add stuff in and you know they kept it quite you know just yeah. just a, bit, a a spare kind of riff all the way through you know totally you they know the, the old cliche line I totally agree with you guys uh, <laughs> I do I do uh, what you both said I, I actually wouldn't um, I wouldn't actually disagree with and one thing about this album is I think it breathes um, so yeah. it's kind of, kind of along along the lines of what you just said Paul um, I think it, 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 it the space on the album. Yeah. Which is which is certainly the first time maybe since Sheer Heart Attack. You know, I don't look Sheer Heart yeah. Attack was only two uh, albums yeah. before, right enough. But yeah. you know, certainly I would say by this point in Queen's career there's only two albums that really had that space and it is Sheer Heart Attack and that day at the races. So I've nothing more really to add on top of what, what you've what you've said. Um you have covered all my thoughts really on, on the album and added a few in that I hadn't thought of as well. So I'm going to kick things off. Um, I'm going to continue going. So the album obviously starts off with the, uh, you know, the the gong and then the the the, the white man riff. 
you know, at the start. And um, it goes into the harmonium that Brian May plays, and it's that uh, what they call a, um, a shepherd tone. Shepherd tone, yeah. Yeah, so the shepherd tone, it seems, it seems as if it's getting higher and higher and higher, but it never actually gets higher. So it's just yeah. like a, it's an auditory illusion. So I think that's really, really cool. You keep thinking it's building up, getting higher and higher, but it's all just obviously a, a, a bit of a trick and a bit of an illusion. I think that's really a really, really cool way to start the album. And I think the, the you know the intro overall is a wee bit of a rip off of our intro. So I think <laughs> you know, for the podcast, so don't know, man. I think I think maybe they were a lawsuit against Queen on this one. So written in um, ten seconds. <laughs> Aye. Uh, really cool intro, really, really, really love it. And then it goes into Tie Your Mother Down. So Tie Your Mother Down is the first real song on the album, as we know. Paul, talk to me about Tie Your Mother Down. It was written by Brian May in 1968 on the island of Tenerife. I think he was on his holidays um, in the middle of doing his degree in astronomy. It's, uh, by, by his own words, it's a kind of homage to uh, Rory Gallagher um, and you know a particular song called Morning Sun a, a taste song if you listen to Morning Sun it, it doesn't bear much resemblance to Tie Your Mother Down and that you, you can know, certainly hear it yeah yeah a little yeah, uh, you know yeah. it's just it's just the, the simple hammer on yeah. off riff mm-hmm. at, the, at the beginning which obviously Brian took as his inspiration in the past I've just treated this as one of Brian's rocker kind of songs and all that and just go yeah it's okay you know it's like you know fat bottom girls and all that but uh, you know it's it's maybe doing it a, a slight disservice because it, it is a pretty good song and it has got the, the lyrics are pretty good as well they're quite quite witty and all that you know these kind of lyrics would probably be the kind of thing that Freddie would normally write you know they kind of take your brother swim with a brick and all that <laughs> so you know uh, to see Brian doing that kind of thing and obviously you know pre-Queen or uh, as well, you know, it, it's uh, it's pretty cool. You know, he, he uses slide guitar on this track. Um, again, uh, you know, a, a thing that Rory Gallagher employs quite a lot. Um, he uses it again on uh, Drows later on in the album, and it just uh, it's it, it's just a a relentless kind of rock. You know, it's you know the riff just powers through, and um, you know, I, I, for some reason, when I was listening to it last time. Um, I was thinking I, I could hear, I could see Bon Scott singing a song. You know, I think that yep. it's got that kind of vibe. You yep. know, I can yep. imagine Bon Scott, you know, stripped mm-hmm. to the waist, you know, the ripped jeans, yeah. singing it. You know, absolutely. Um, and that, and that's the, probably the, one of the greatest compliments compliments I could pay this song. You know that, you know, one one of the one of the greatest rock vocalists ever. You know, could could do this song justice. You know, uh, I was going to say, you know, we'll disregard the, the Motorhead version because it's not that good, but, you know. Um, that is not. So maybe it's a, maybe I'm saying it's a simple rock song. Maybe it's harder to do than than, than I'm giving it justice. But it's a, it's a great song and it's a great opener. Uh, you know, it gets, us, it gets us started on the album. And uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a great song. I would like to go back to the actual intro before the the, the song kicks in properly, um, and just mention that the you know the the shepherd tone part you were speaking about, David, um, and it being it sounds like it's reversed. It probably isn't, but it kind of sounds that way. I just like to say that I, that Metallica one hundred percent stole that idea 
for uh, for the start of the album and Justice for All, the song Blackened. Blackened. It's, yeah. the same, it's, the same, it's the same vibe and everything, the way it comes yeah. creeping in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to it's say actually that. the first. It's actually the first. I, I, I thought. I thought it was. I just didn't. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought it was. I just didn't want to say it in case it, yeah. it wasn't. But yeah, well, well, then it definitely is then because it's it's just like when I was listening to it. I mean, I've I've noticed it before, but it was very evident. I was like, totally, that has been lifted from Queen. But yeah, past that, um, getting into the actual song, uh, I was kind of the same as Paul, and I'm not going to really go on too much about you know covering the same ground because Paul covered it pretty well. You know, it is. It's just. I was kind of the same with this song. I, I, for a long time, it just kind of was like, a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a rock song that Queen did. That it's, it's all right. It's okay. But I think after listening to it, you know, in depth, what strikes me is, for me, this is the first time I hear Freddie's voice, a, a real change in Fred, the tone of Freddie's voice. But um, to me, this was the, the, the there's, there's two, there's two Freddies. There was the, the you know, the, before this, and then there's this Freddie, and this is where I think Freddie's voice started to kind of get that rasp, like a really aggressive rasp that he didn't really have that much um, on the albums before. You could start to hear it creeping in a little bit in the night at the opera, but um, I think you know it's very noticeable when this song kicks in. You know, you'd be like, uh, you know, if you were following this band from you know album to album as they were coming out, um, I think you would notice that as a fan. I certainly did after properly, you know, listening to it. Um, yeah, big, like, it's like Freddie's voice just seems to have this extra aggression to it that wasn't really developed uh, on the previous records. But, yeah, but other than that, I think Paul really kind of summarised the song well. You know, it, it's um, it's a good, it's a really good rock song. You know, it's solid. Production's really good, as it is on the rest of the album as well. It's, it's nice and thick, you know, it's got a good, got a good beat. But yeah, for me, it, it, the, the only revelation that I really got listening to it properly um, was just I could hear a difference in tonality, uh, tonality in Freddie's voice. I think that's one of the benefits in us analysing these albums in order. You know, we're actually starting to see the evolution of the band, you know, and, and we're actually yep. focusing on, on each, yep. each period of the band as it moves forward. Like you would if you were at the time, definitely. Yeah, of course, exactly. The, the exactly reason for doing it that way. Um, and it makes sense. It's consecutive, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, I had that down in my notes here as well. Freddie's vocals and the absolute shift and and sound. So, Joe, you covered that really well. But yeah, just really ballsy. And I prefer it on the album than I do live. I think live for me, the track is just a bit just just kind of washes over me. Never really grabs me by the balls the way maybe it does on the album which is um, weird because you normally most, most, yeah most Queen yeah, songs live are better yeah, you know yeah, um, yeah. you know majority of them anyway yeah um, but uh, yeah this one for me is, is best best on the album um, but yeah a, a, a solid opener for me it's it's, it's a logical opener yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. It, it, you know as you said Joe there's probably nothing about the previous album there's nothing there's probably nothing else on the album that should open it, you know, other than this song. So, yeah, absolutely. Joe, I'm going to stay with you. Do you want to pick us a, another track off the album? It doesn't have to be in order. We, we de- tend not to do things in order. Uh, actually, before I do that, I just want to make a wee, uh, a wee kind of note to the, to list, to the listeners. Um, just a wee mention that we're actually recording this and we've recorded all the podcasts to this point um, over Zoom. So if you see it, just occasionally we glitch in quality and and maybe a, a bit of background noise is because this is getting recorded in three different homes and 
and it's just to kind of make that make that a wee bit clear. Um, and so the sometimes the technology kind of fails us at times, but we do our best to try and get a, a decent quality product out to you. Sorry, Joe, back to back to yourself. Um, do you want to pick as a track and um, like I say, it doesn't have to be in order, just anything at all. Uh, I would go in order because I think um, going from you know in typical Queen style. Um, you know, you go from something like Tire Mother Down Street into one of the most, if not the most gentle track on the record, obviously, Take My Breath Away. Um, and it's, this song is by far one of, probably is one of my favourite Queen songs. But it's so, it's so beautifully sang. And, uh, you know, this is before the days of auto-tune and all that. You know, there was no cheating, obviously, back, back in these days, you had to get that. And you can tell that, you can hear the room hiss and stuff. That's that's take. That's like one take. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, and the, the the absolute control. And the, and he's he's using all different types of voice as well. You know, he's using kind of like like um, head voice a little towards the end. He's using like you know little bits of falsetto. It's just whispered parts. I mean, that's that's all different parts of your your vocal cord, and to get that seamless like that is. I honestly can't think of any other vocalist that could have pulled something like that off after singing something as, you know, as raucous as "Tie Your Mother Down," you know, because that would how how do how do you how do you go from that to that perfectly and be convincing in both different styles, you know, without wrecking your voice? And f- for me, that's why Freddie Mercury will always be the best. The guy was, you know, um, well, it's just, yeah, really good point, Joe. Sorry, to cut in there, but. Um... I think that's why Freddie is is my favourite vocalist as well because you've got someone that's got that rock god voice on Tie Your Mother Down. But, you know, as with a lot of rock and big rock sounding voices, um, you know, David Coverdale and people like that, they've got these big... When they sing soft, it's just their voice except soft. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Freddie sounds like a different guy. Freddie can can shapeshift his voice into these different, you know, different um, areas. And I think that's why he's the best. Because he could could sing the, you know, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk about, a, you know, he's, he's screaming his head off and give me the prize on a kind of magic, you know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. voice and it's, you know, a, a total aggression. And he can do something like this as well. But, you know, I totally agree with you, Joe, on, on You Take My Breath Away. And it is one of my favourites, one of my favourite songs on the album. And, and it could be, it could be one of my favourite songs. I don't know where it would sit, but, um, yeah, I absolutely love the song. It's, um, it's sung beautifully, as you said. It's played beautifully. I love the kind of brooding quality, and not to rehash an old, an old kind of a argument from the last podcast. But for me, this is how I feel. Love of my life should have been executed. It should have been executed with more subtlety, and they got it bang on here. Even Freddie's piano playing is subtle, and it's really, really, it's really. I just thought this. You know, I was talking about either go all in or strip back, and I think what they did we taking my breath away as they stripped it back and it's got the dynamics in it there's bits that get really loud yeah. and it's fall away soft really quickly the dynamics really absolutely work on this where for me they don't work that well for me on Love of My Life but that's just a personal opinion and it's mm. not again it's not a competition between uh-huh. you know um, yeah. these songs and I'm, I'm not trying to pit them against each other but as Paul rightly said at the start of the you know the start of the podcast they you know these albums are sort of counterpart albums you know, and and I think there's a lot of songs on that that, that, that are kind of counterparts to each other. So I see I see like 
Take My Breath Away, Love of My Life being counterparts and you know, there's other songs on the album that I see, you know, you know, uh, maybe, you know, White Man's a counterpart to Sweet Lady in, in some ways, you know. Um, but it's, I think there's a lot of the same vibes on this album as there, in, uh, as there is in the opera. You know, I hadn't thought about it at the time when we were doing the podcast, but when I listened to this, I was like, that's kind of what the point I was trying to make, but I just had forgotten how they, they actually yeah. executed this song, you know. It's a beautiful song, and... and Still working out, and even at that, he sings it brilliantly as well. It's just, yeah, um, definitely. I, I don't think there's much more I can say about the song. I just love the dynamics of it, and, and Brian's playing on it's really tasteful as well. You know, he's he's little kind of um, you know, swell, swelly type things that are really, really low in the mix. They're really cool. Paul, anything, anything additional to add to about that? I, I think you guys covered it. It's, it's just an absolutely beautiful song. You know, it's as it one of those ones that can. It, it, it can cause my, my eyes to become slightly wet at times, you know, when I'm thinking about Freddie and the, the power he has, just his incredible voice and just, uh, yeah, I, I can't really add in. It's, it's just a beautiful song, beautiful melody. The, the the kind of vocal swell, the harmony vocal swell at the end, you know, when it comes in and then it goes into you and I, that's incredible as well, you know. Um, and that's just like a, a little throwaway thing, but it's, you know, so beautiful and, what a great way to end a song. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It probably is my favourite, like, Freddie piano ballad, if you will. Yeah, you know, I'd agree with that. Love of my life, my melancholy blues, and this one, you know, I, I, I would say out of those three, this is my favourite, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, great song, yeah. Cool. yeah. Can, I also, can I also say as well that uh, it was quite interesting, uh, I, I read somewhere that the, the song was actually... Freddie's sort of experiment to write a song in a, a harmonic minor scale as well, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty interesting because that just again shows you it wasn't just you know like um, you know blues based idea. Obviously, it isn't because it doesn't sound like blues anyway. But you know what I mean? It was, like these guys were very very versed in, in their instrument and you know and keys and modes and stuff like that playing. And you know they thought to write. He actually went out his way to write a song in that that key. You know. I'm not going into too much yet, but you know, you, 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 when you write songs, and I've I've wrote a lot of songs in my life, you know, and um, you, you try to you try to be pretty self-critical, you know. I, I've I've like wrote songs and stuff, and you know, scrapped them halfway through because I thought they were too similar. And that's one thing. That's one thing I could I can say about uh, Queen is like they've obviously had enough um, savvy, uh, you know, about music, musical theory that uh, that they knew not to do that because I can't I mean ACDC as much as I love them every song's an ACDC song right we are pretty much all agree there right yeah. right it's probably run about probably in the same key and everything right name two Queen songs that sound the same I can't I mean there's different there's similar maybe similar vibes in the sense that you know one's a piano song and one but if you're talking about melodies Queen never cro- never ever ever re- uh, do the same melody that I can hear no, there's no, I agree with you. There's not definitely no ground tread again. You know, there's there's bands that we love. Um, you know, Iron Maiden, for example, as much as that, I love them, they they, they do they it. Repeat, they repeat themselves quite a lot. Yeah, yep. same same patterns, same yep. you know, yep. um, same drum beats and yep, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But Queen, Queen, uh, with Queen, you'd say similar vibes. You know, it's ah, a, yeah, a, yeah. A, a vibe of that song, but not, yeah. not actually treading the same the same yeah, melody exactly. line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like, like, yeah. I, like yeah, like my melancholy, sorry, like my melancholy blues, for example, like Paul mentioned, is a similar song in the sense that it's Freddie at a piano, 
Um, yeah. It's probably more stripped down actually than "Take Your Breath Away" really, but um, but it's it doesn't like sound lounge, anything like mean, jazz type song. Exactly, it, and, 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 and there's, there's a no way there's like any way um, a similarity in melody. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Paul, do you want to grab a track for us and and let's let's get chatting? Oh, no, no, so so much good stuff on here, man. Why don't we go with you and I? You know, John, John Deacon's song. Um, you know, quite quite a simple song, but um, I just like it. it, it the lyrics are, are just so so clear, and you, you can imagine yourself being there with you know a lady or a you know a man or whatever. You know, just enjoying a, a night out together and all that. It's it's just very evocative, and the way Freddie sings it, you know, like Joe says, I think. Freddie's entire vocal performance on all these tracks is, you know, uh, uh, it's moved on from an Iron Opera. He's proven he's the best now. After yeah, the, yeah, the, absolutely. He's the best singer now at this point in his uh, career, definitely. And, and it, so he, he, can, he can do really technical stuff, but he's given a, a fairly straightforward song just about a, a woman and guy out enjoying a wee night out in a, a tavern somewhere with lanterns swinging and all that. And it, and it, it, it puts you right there, and that, that's that that's the mark of a, a, a great vocalist, you know. Um, and, and of course, he's singing John's words, which are you know obviously he wrote them and Freddie sang them. But it's yeah, I, 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 it's just a lovely little song. There's nothing particularly flashy or technical in it or anything you know groundbreaking. But I, I just I, it's just a great wee song, and I just thought I'd, you know give it its due. Um, yeah, just, you know, as I said before, the bass playing in this album is great. You know, uh, it just seems more prominent in the mix of all the all the tracks. Um, maybe it's because John's becoming more assertive in the studio. You know, he's he's putting his ideas across more, perhaps. Um, it's not as though anything he's done he's doing here is you know intrusive to any of the, the tracks. Certainly not. Um, certainly on Millionaire Waltz, his bass playing is incredible. And and it and it enhances the song greatly. Yeah, you and I as you know, as I say, there's nothing particularly special about it, you know, or groundbreaking. But it's a it's a great little song. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to add too much more on top of that. Um, I think it's a really good band song, is what I put down. It just seems like everyone's mm. just together and playing their part in it. If it sounds weird, I know all of them are band songs, but it just seems like everyone's getting their wee because there's really cool drum playing on it. You know, the way yeah. the beats kind of just kind of lags a wee bit and stuff. And at times, and uh, just Brian's guitar work on it's really cool. And it, I really like the wee bit where it almost gets slightly dark when it just gives that wee kind of downbeat bit. You know? yeah. that's, 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 that's weird because that's, 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 I've actually wrote yeah. that here. That's what I've wrote that here. And I love the way the Fred, the way Freddie, like, Elon Gates, the grip. So, no, but it's, it's just this really pleasant, wee quirky song, and you know, this this big yeah. kind of like stinky yeah. gorgon. That's just like that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's totally mental because I've actually got written here um, dark, heavy key change, uncharacteristic of a John yeah. Deacon song. Yeah. <laughs> I... So, I would like to talk about, I'm going to bring up. The millionaire waltz, you know. I think Paul's Paul's touched upon it a little bit already. I mean, the bass playing first and foremost, that John's fantastic on it. It's not this one; it's to get the isolated track that we heard today. It was you and I, wasn't it? You and I, yeah, aye, aye. But yeah, I'd like to hear an isolated track of the millionaire waltz because I think aye. that would be, oh, really, that'd be really amazing. Cool. Man. Hear John's bass on that. 
this this song is it's it's pretty bonkers, but it's uh, it's again it's got that you know that kind of you know in the in the night of the opera we had the kind of vaudeville music hall. I don't think it's quite fallen into that category, but it's certainly it certainly is eccentric as those tracks. But I really love the dynamics of the song and the just the variation in styles in it. And um, you know, there's there's the really Ryan does a lot of really cool cascading guitar runs on it and, and stuff as well. And um, obviously, it's it's quite quirky, and then it goes really heavy at one point as well. And it's it, it actually listening to it, it actually reminded me dynamically of March of the Black Queen. It's nothing like it um, in terms of style necessarily. But it really reminds me of Black Queen a lot because Black Queen has got so many different bits that that go up and down and get heavier and get quieter and get daft and you know there's there's a lot of that in this song. You know, Black Queen might be slightly darker, but there is these these silly moments in Black Queen as well. So I think it's, it very much reminds me of that. And I really like the towards the end of the song when Brian and Roger really uh, both sync up towards the end of the song. It's really really rhythmical. It's such a cool cool bit at the end of the, the end of the tune. But yeah, I did, probably not much more to, to say on on Millionaire Waltz. It's just it's typical that era of Queen Freddie song. <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's just got Freddie all over it, and he's still got that kind of eccentricity in his and his and his style. And I think that carries on actually right up until you know it doesn't really go until the game. I would say, you know, he's still in every album that up to the game. There's this. Usually something, maybe not necessarily news of the world so much, but certainly comes back on on jazz with things like bicycle race and stuff, with the the crazy mm-hmm. kind of eccentric stuff. Um, and it's always cool to hear. And it's one of these tracks I just really like. It's um, it's not one of my favourite Queen tracks or anything, but it's just just again just got a really good vibe to it. I really <laughs> like it. And it's uh, I remember I remember sitting with Joe and and the, the Solid Rock Cafe. This is a a, a pub in Glasgow. We'd asked the bartender to play some Queen, so we sat down at our pints, and I think he was trying to be clever. I and remember this, picked, and he picked this song Did, and put this I, on as if he was going to embarrass us, and we were like, yeah. "Oh yeah, it's brilliant!" You know, singing away and then kind of you know air drumming to all the bits and all that, and the piano bits and all that. So I think he didn't quite get the reaction that he wanted because he probably thought he was going to, you know, you know these man. guys, these guys are going to want we will rock you. I'm going to put this on and. We were over the minute here. His, so, his mistake. Um, <laughs> cool. I'll throw it open to 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 you to come in with him. Yeah. Um. The millionaire waltz. So, um, if you don't pay Freddy, you get death in two legs. If you pay him, you get the millionaire waltz, because obviously Freddy wrote this about John Reed. Um. And I guess by December 1976, Freddy was a millionaire, and so he, you know he wanted to thank you know his manager. Um, so, uh, yeah, just, just as uh, David says, just a, a, quite an eccentric thing as uh, literally a waltz, you know, it's the waltz time and all that. And just, you know, a typical kind of Queen showy offy type track, you know, just like this is the this is the length and breadth of what we can do um, in a single track, you know. And, and, and it's in here just to remind us how, how inventive and incredible this band is, you know, that they can do this. Um, with relative ease, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything to add, Joe? Pretty much you guys covered it. I'll, I don't want to go over the same ground, um, but I'll just go back to the 
the the meter changes. Apparently, there's three different meter changes in this song, which I found was quite interesting. Obviously, I know that I, you know, just by listening to it, you can tell yeah, that there's changes, yeah. change, there's changes in vibe and stuff like that. But um, it just goes to show that you know, some bands do meter changes, and again, it sounds weird and disjointed. Queen do it, and it just sounds natural. Yeah, um, the the kind of come back to me section is really really heavy as well. Yeah, you know, it's so like, f- uh, yeah, yeah, just like heavy, really heavy, like uh, proper thunder. Uh, yeah, like thunder. Yeah. yeah. Um, so dynamically, the, the song's amazing in the sense that you know you can go from like you're, you're saying, Paul, a, a part that just sounds like warfare, and it don't, mm. don't, 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 and 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 it, yeah. it doesn't sound weird. I mean, yeah. I don't want another band uh, that could do that. And it's that bit really when it comes back to heavy again the second time round, and it get kind of pretty much closes the song. It's that bit. See Brian and Roger at that point there, and Todd obviously as well. Bang on tight, man, but just so. And the pocket, man. And the pocket. Yeah. Joe, pick us a track then. Like Paul said, man, there's just so much cool shit on this record when you really delve into it. Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry about that, folks. Um, I'll go for White Man. Probably an obvious choice, you know, because it's, it's you know, a real powerful song. But um, listening to this song properly, I, I noticed a lot of, well, there's a, I don't know if you guys noticed this, right? I, I'll mention this. Do you guys notice the, the hiss of the mics on the on the quiet parts when it's yeah. just Brian and Freddie, with you know the, is. the opening and out, the outro. Do you know? Yeah, I think it's not the hiss off the amps. I think it's the hiss off. The Honestly, amps. man, it's so loud. Uh, it's like you so know, loud. yeah. You hear it really see at the end before the, the yeah. end of the track before Roger's yeah. final drum yeah. really hissing, yeah. hissing away. Aye, it's I, really, really, I, I, I get the feeling that was left in as a bit of. Uh, I think that was deliberate. I, I, I genuinely think that's deliberate. It sounds, yeah, it sounds to me as if it's a copped wah pedal. So if you, right. oh, if you open up a like, wah pedal and you leave it, yeah, you can hear the hiss coming through the yeah. yeah. But it's I, I think that's what it is. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, the rust got a kind of nasal quality as well. Yeah, um, kind of thin. Um, and I think it might be he's maybe, maybe put a wee bit of wah on it. Played the wah wah, just, uh, just kept. No, he's, he's not rock. Yeah. He's not rocking the pedal. Yeah. It's just open. Yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah. To, to thin yeah. the. Take the bass off or the treble on or whatever. That's a good know. point. Aye. Yeah, I, um, I, that's what it sounds to me. But I know. I, I just I just thought if yeah. you guys had, if they had noticed it, you know what I mean? Because like yeah. I have, it's one of those yeah. things I've I've noticed it forever. But when you're properly analysing it, I was I was thinking why why would you leave you know Queen being such perfectionists you know in the studio? It's like it's really weird that they left that noise in. But like you said, David, it was it was maybe for vibe. You know, another thing I'll mention in this as well. Um, Again, I'm going to use a Metallica refle- reference here, right? Because I-, I hear it. See the see the riff, the actual get the, the the rhythm riff under the guitar solo. It's very similar to Sad but True. But Metallica, see if you just because obviously you're you're focusing more on the the solo. See if you actually listen to the chun 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 chun. It's fair. It, it's full on what Metallica were doing on something like Sad but True. And, and and obviously, harken back to the blackened, where I feel that I feel James Hetfield love, must love this record, man, because I can hear, I don't know, man, I can, I, I can hear it, man, I can hear it in the slow chugging, dun, dun, it's like it's not just like dun, 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 it's like stop, start, chugging, like yeah. like something like sad but true. So I thought I might be talking shit, but I, you know, 
I find there's maybe a wee bit of correlation there between you know two things I can see Metallica esque on that one record. So I would I'd be interested in if you asked James Hetfield what his favourite um, Queen record be, might, might very well be this record because I I can kind of hear some what I, what I feel are similarities and um, maybe lifted a wee bit. Um, I'd also say that the the drum sound, everything about this song is just I'm sorry, but it's heavy as fuck. Like it's just like. Right. The fuck it, I, I, it seems like they just upped up to the beef level on everybody's instrument. It's like the drums, the toms sound like they're about to smash your skull in, and and his uh, Brian May's guitars thick, and John uh, John Dean's bass is thick. It's like everything's just so condensed and meaty. Uh, it's probably the, it's probably sonically, mm-hmm. sonically the heaviest Queen track of the seventies. I think sonically, anyway, it's so thick and weighty, um, which again might have been you know the, you know the whole. The whole point, uh, you know, the Black Album is to be meaty and thick. You never know. Could yeah. have maybe been, a, maybe been a wee influence there. But yeah, song, song's just like, and it's quite a heavy subject matter as well, which you notice a lot when you really analyse Queen 70 stuff. I mean, a lot of the subject matters are pretty, you know, yeah. you, I, mean, I mean, like, um, who would you say? Maybe Deep Purple and bands like that. When we really tackling stuff like no. Native American Native Americans plight no. against the white man and stuff like um, that, we, you know what I mean? No. So ba- bands generally that time when they're doing political stuff, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it was like you know just goes like, goes to show that you know that um, they were very consci- conscious people. I think, and you know, and and you know, well-read people. I mean, you we know that anyway. They were intelligent guys. You know, they're all university people and stuff like that. But, you know, like they were obviously going out their way not only to, to break the the, the kind of rock mould, if you like, but also to maybe incorporate different um, topics, which is refreshing as well, you know, because there's only so many times you can listen to the same, you know, topic about, yeah, I'm, I'm out with my girl and, you know, I'm in my fast car. And don't get me wrong, Queen did have that. Um, usually Roger Taylor's department, but, um, but yeah, Really heavy subject matter, sonically heavy song. Freddie's vocals are outstanding. That's that's pretty much all I yeah. can say about that. Aye, I think um, uh, the message in the songs is totally righteous because um, everything, every word in the, the the song is the truth. Yep, um, mm. and know, it's sang with uh, venom as well. Yeah, I, I th- yeah, that was the, the other point I was going to make. I think you know you talked about the sonically how how big and kind of really forceful it sounds and. It's 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 almost the anger of the native native mm-hmm. uh, Americans, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not obviously as, as a race of people. They're not known for you know being that kind of way necessarily. But um, but the song it's it's almost like anger for them. Yeah, it's anger for for Native American people. This anger that that this is what's happened to them. So that just really spews out the song. I think that's that's really it's really mm-hmm. really cool. It's such some of the lines in it are really cool. I mean the. The, the line at the end, um, man who learned how to teach but forgot how to love, that's, that's brilliant. That's just a really mm-hmm. simple, simple I think line, so. but it's absolutely so, so good. Um, it, it strikes me as it sounds kind of loose at the start and all that, but it's actually really, really tight. You know, the riff's kind of sparse and just just on its own and all that, so it sounds kind of loose and all that and kind of a bit freer. But the actual whole song is as absolutely tight as anything. You know that the band are all locked in together. It, you know, uh, it's just a, it's an incredible song. You know, we've, we've covered it all already. It's just uh, amazing. Yeah. Cool, Paul. I'll stay with you. Do you want to do you want to grab us another track? Tail Toriati. Yeah. 
the the last track in the album. This I, I I love this song. This is a this is another song that you know if I was doing a best of Queen whatever top twenty or whatever that would definitely be in there. I love this song. I always have um from you know from the time that I bought this album. And I, you know one of the things I love about it is how it builds. Uh, because at the beginning, Freddie's vocals, Freddie's vocals are very kind of soft. So he starts off not, not quite a whisper, but it's you know quite soft, and and then it you know it gets to gets to the, the the chorus, and then it's very slightly louder, and then you know, and it just builds and builds until it gets to let us cling together, and and it, you know it. His voice, uh, the full range of his voice, kind of opens up, and then it goes from that, and then you've got the, the kind of gang vocals at the end. It's a, it's a kind of anthemic kind of song, but it's just interesting how it doesn't get to the loud bit until near the end, kind of thing. It just slowly, slowly builds, and it's almost as if we're going to keep it subtle here because uh, the, the the lyrics are so beautiful. We don't need to, you don't need to punch something in the face with them. You know, you can keep it soft and, mm-hmm. you know, just slowly build it. Yeah, it's just a, a, a beautiful melodies, an interesting concept, just to thank the people of Japan for supporting the band and all that. Great track. Love it. It's strange, see, with, with Teo Toriati, I actually, I clearly have obviously forgotten that Brian May wrote it because yeah. when I went to listen to the album again, I thought Freddie wrote it. Uh, because... You ask me, you name a Queen song, and I'd say most of the time I'll be able to tell you who wrote it. But this one, I, I just, I went, oh, Brian, mate. I think it, because I always equate ja- Japan with Freddie because he was really into J- Japanese, um, you know, antiques and, and, and you know, kind of, he was really into that kind of stuff about his house and all that. So I always just equate that with Freddie. But um, mm. you're right, I, it's, 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 a, it's one of these anthem type songs, especially gets to the end of the big kind of. It gets a wee bit kind of scarf wavy, and at the end, you know, with a big yeah. choir at the end and all that. Um, yeah. Which, which, if it's hitting me in a more cynical mood, I think, ugh, you know, it's a wee bit, wee bit saccharine. But overall, I really like the song. I, I especially like the verses. Uh, the verses are beautiful. That I just mm-hmm. love, love the verses on it, and I love the melody in the verses. The chorus ah, is okay. You know, it's. I think it's, it used to be one of these songs that I really, really used to like. I used to be one of my favourite ones on the album, but listen to it recently, it's maybe not one of my favourite ones on the album now. Again, could just be how I'm feeling these days, you know. Um, but it's it's I think it's a it's a really, really, really nice song though. And um, you know, again another one of these anthem ones that Queen kinda became a wee bit more famous for from this point onwards, you know, the kinda um the big kinda spe- more so the bit at the end rather than the rest of the song, I would say though. I agree with you. I, I think it's the first time you really Maybe not the first time, but you know that whole uh, everybody together in a stadium, let's all sing this together sort of vibe. That's definitely prevalent, especially towards the end of the song. I also just would like to mention that, and I agree with you, David. For me, the best part of the song is the, the verses, because a lot of, there's actually really a lot. If you listen to Brian, does a lot of really dark, dark guitar work. Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, totally and it's, it's it's really really haunting. It's really and it's really mm-hmm. low in the mix. It's drony. Yeah, It's really really it's really really drony, and it, it just yeah. adds that extra kind of. It adds a kind. It's weird because it adds a really juxtaposition to how really nice and 
and uh, anthemic, the, the, you know, and, and the, the inclusiveness of the, the chorus. But then those verses are, it's almost a sinister, dark undertone. Yeah. Again, just ama- amazing. I mean, who would, who would think to, you know, have a chorus like that and, and have the verses be, have this really dark undertone? But I, it's a good song. I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't, no disrespect to, to Paul. I, I, I personally don't think it's amazing. I like it. It's a good song. It's definitely not a bad song. I enjoy it. But for me, yeah, I like the, the verses are really, really the, the standout for me in this track. Yep, and of course at the end uh end uh territory attic is back to the yep, yep. intro, which becomes an outro of course and back to the harmonium course, yep, um doing yep. doing its thing again and 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 taking the taking the album out to a close, which is which is cool and it and I think Brian mentioned something about the album being a, a circle. Yeah. You know, that was the kind of idea they were trying to get with it. So that's that's really cool. Um territory attic. Joe, do you want to pick as another another track? Yeah, um, I'll go for, let me see here again, because there are so many good songs in this record. Uh, I'll go for uh, Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy, because I think, if I remember right, me and you have got a story with this song as well, and it's another pub story. Um, oh, hi. When, uh, <laughs> see, I never, me- I never mentioned it, <laughs> but I thought I'd surprise you with it. Um, I was, me and you, um, <laughs> to, put, to put people in the picture, can't remember what age we were, maybe mid-teens, 14, something like that. So somewhere like that. So we were young. And um, and me, David, and my dad, I can't remember, where were we? Balloch? Was it Balloch? It was Balloch, yeah. Gary was there too. Gary was there. Joe's older brother, Gary was there too. That's right, man. And, you know, we went into this pub for, you know, for some lunch and stuff like that. It was just really just an excuse for my dad to drink. But anyway... <laughs> we went into this. We went into this pub, and um, there was a jukebox. Me and me and David were like, oh, "Mom, we'll go and see what's what's on the jukebox and stuff." And then we'd be seeing Queen were on there, and, and I can't remember the song that we we tried to pick. <laughs> we picked we picked this, and as we were walking across this really busy pub, good old fashioned lover boy <laughs> came blasting, and me and David just looked at each other and were like, "Oh fuck." And uh, one of the one of the moments when it was a little awkward, especially you know being when you're a kid, year old. <laughs> exactly. If you were if you were in your twenties, you'd be like, ah, yeah, ah you yeah. wouldn't care. But you're you're fourteen, you know. I mean, yeah, exactly. But I just <laughs> it was that. It was already it's something we say in Glasgow. It was already, and what that means, red, because your face goes red. Yeah, know, so it's already, totally. it's already. It was a total ready. <laughs> oh man! But uh, besides that, besides that, I thought it was a be funny story, and I went, I wanted to see your reaction because obviously. It was so long ago, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, this song kind of, you know, the, we talked about the Seaside Rendezvous and, and stuff like that, you know, almost like kind of quirky, kind of almost parody type songs and stuff like that. For me, this is kind of similar, but this they nailed it with this song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it is almost like a, it is a quirky kind of, par, kind of parody song, but it's a very, very good song. Yeah, it's it's very it's so much better than Seaside Rendezvous and you know on um right the opera where it, to me they have kind of like little just little snippets little throwaway tracks Again, I, like yeah sorry to interrupt Joe but I see that I mentioned about you know uh, counterpart tracks between the two albums I think this is the counterpart to Lazing on a Sunday afternoon aye yeah yep, it's almost like that's its counterpart you know and, and totally. uh, but yeah sorry Joe I'll let you continue there, no 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 just a that that was the that was my uh, main point with this. Um, one time, 
I think when they did the quirky thing and it really worked in their favour, and it wasn't detrimental to the to the track running. Where where they you know, for me personally, it's things like suicide rendezvous and, and stuff like that, and the listen a Sunday afternoon kind of are a little bit. They kind of they kind of put a little bit of a dent in a night of the opera for me, just in the actual running of it. But yeah, I mean it's a pretty simple song in the sense that you know it's quite. It's quite um, light and mood and stuff like that. But uh, again, I think it's a it's a very very good song and very catchy and very very good vocals as well. Vocal performances is brilliant on it. Yeah, I really like think? it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's quirky. It's um, you know we use quirky quite a lot with with Freddie's compositions run about this period and um, it is. But it just uh, I can't really add anything on more more onto what Joe's saying because yeah, he's he's kind of nailed it for me as well. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Paul, is. Do you use your fancy patter on the telephone? All the time. <laughs> All the time. Uh, Whenever I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I can't really add much to what Joe says. It's, it's, it's a piece of English eccentricity kind of thing um, that Freddie, you know, seems to have an act for. But this time it hits the mark a lot better than, you know, the, the two tracks we mentioned in the, the previous album. It's a, it's a great little piece of music and completely unique to uh, you know a band like Queen. I don't think any, anyone else ever. I don't even know if they attempted. Never mind, you know, got anywhere near sounding like this. You know, and uh, making making a track sound like this. I think this is this is uh, unique to Queen. This type of thing, um, and God bless them for it. Yeah, great track. Cool. Thanks for that, Paul. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about. I want to talk about somebody to love. I think somebody to love for me is yeah definitely one of the, the highlights of the album. Uh, I think it's a great track. You know, obviously we know Freddie's big love of Aretha Franklin and and you know obviously gospel and soul music as well. You know, we talked about him being a big Hendrix fan and and Zeppelin fan and all the rest of it, but he, he loved Aretha Franklin as well. You know, and things like that. He was a music fan quite clearly and I think he's trying to capture a bit of that vibe on this song with being a kind of gospel vibe and I just think it's a great song it's again kind of like you you're my best friend but it was maybe later years that I really started to really really love this song I always loved it live because it's a wee bit heavier live mm-hmm. um, uh, but maybe not so much on on vinyl um, but I really no I really really love this song I love both versions I love the live version I love the the, the version on, on, on record. It's just so well crafted. And, it, and for something that's got a lot of big choir on it, I'm saying it's got a big choir, it's obviously Brian Lodge and Freddie creating that choir, but it's it really breathes. I mentioned that earlier, you know, about the album Barely Breathe. It's, it's got a lot of space in it. You know, the bit where it's just Roger and, and Freddie on the, you know, Roger, Freddie, and John, you know, and, you know, and Fred's on the piano and it's just breathing yeah. away and there's no vocals. And there's the wee bits like that allows it to breathe before it comes in with a big. Yeah, like harmony bit and stuff. It's and and again, Freddie's vocals are just just sublime on it. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely outstanding. The way the way he just you know softens his voice again and gets up to the power again and just yeah, um, yeah. Um, it's just an absolute gem of a song. And um, Fred Fred is absolutely the star in the song. It's his song anyway, but he's absolutely the star in that song. He's he's just incredible on it. And and again, you mentioned Paul about you know you and I. You can picture yourself there equally when Freddie sings this. I can picture his. I can feel his pain. I can feel his 
mm-hmm. his struggle. You know what I mean? Because yep. it's, it's in every every bit of his voice. You can hear it. Mm-hmm. So, you guys think? Yeah. Uh, uh, the important thing I think about it is, you know, uh, it's obviously a, a gospel song. And it being Queen, you know, the vocal harmonies and the guitars and all that, it's very dense in places. But they don't forget that it's got a swing and it still swings all the way through. You know, it's got that. You know, gospel songs have got. You know, they've got a rhythm. You can see the choir swing. swaying from side to side. You yeah, know, they, they sing yeah. It, you know, you can see it and, yeah, in the church. You know, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and and under the weight of all the instrumentation and all that, they they they, they possibly could have forgotten about that, but they don't. Yeah. And that's what makes it such a great fucking song. It's it, yeah, incredible. One of one of Queen's greatest singles. I think I do. One of the greatest songs. Yeah, brilliant. I would agree with Paul. I think it's. Uh, I think it, think it might be Queen's best pop song, pop you know, pop rock, gospel, whatever category you want to put in. I think it might be the, my my favourite. Um, uh, it's again, you guys just nailed it all. I, I don't really have much else to to say about it. Um, but I will say, as I, I did uh, read that Freddie actually liked this song more than he did Bohemian Rhapsody, which was quite interesting. You know, it just goes to show that you know. This song, you know, as big as uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was, you know, and uh, as important as Bohemian Rhapsody was to the band, you know, it could have been very easy for Freddie just to kind of, you know, you know, always go back to that as his, you know, as his master achievement, if you like, or whatever. But he actually said that, he, you know, out out of the two, he actually thought this song was was thought it was more accomplished in some way, uh, and I can see that actually, you know, because it's like it's it's like taking less and doing more with it. Where you know Bohemian Rhapsody is throwing everything but the kitchen sink at it, and it still worked. It's still like an amazing song. Whereas it's like, I'm not saying it's not complex. It is complex, but um, it's 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 more basic on its on its surface, uh, and it just goes to show it, it something doesn't need to be overly complex to be you know awesome. It is. It's a great song. Hundred percent. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. We've got two tracks left. We've got Drowse and we've got Long Away. I'll do Long Away. Um, Brian May track, quite a quite a straight, clear kind of clear-headed Brian kind of track. You know, it's, it's telling a little story. He, I, I think this might might be the first instance where he's not used his own guitar. That's right. On, on a Queen track, he uses a Burns double six, which is a, a twelve-string electric guitar, and you know he gets those chiming chords at the start and all that. Yeah, it, you know, it's a it's a nice little song. Um, the bass again, bass. You know, the, the bass all over this album is incredible, and and the bass tone on this is is great. John played his ass off in this album, absolutely. It's not there's not there's nothing particularly groundbreaking on it or anything, but it's you know it, it's a it's a I, if if someone was to hold a gun to my head and say, tell me what the weakest track on a day to day is, I, I might say long away, but it's still a it's still a, a you know a perfectly good little song. Yeah. Well, I was doing a bit of research on this track. Thought it was really weird that they released it as a single, and yeah, and uh, in, in the US and Canada and New Zealand, that's such a weird song to release mm-hmm. off of an album with such awesome songs on it. I, I, I kind of makes me wonder the mindset a little bit. You know, what, 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 I mean, when you've got like that's, you know some of the yeah. songs on here, why would you pick that to be your single? It's really I weird. I think I've got a maybe a theory on that. Um, just again, just purely conjecture on my part. But I know Brian was talking on um, the classic albums, uh, the opera one that, that 
we were talking about last time, and he mentioned that he would have liked 39 to have been a single off of, off of A Night of the Opera. Really? So I want, yeah, which I thought was bizarre. He seemed to think it was kind of single material, which I don't necessarily yeah, think it is. I, think I, don't, I don't hear that. It's yeah, not a bad think, song, it's a good song. But no, exactly. Cool. 39 is a good song, but it's, it's very much an album song. True. So I don't know if there was maybe a, a, a bit of appeasement uh, to Brian that, you know, throw something out that he sings on and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so I don't, again, like I say, purely conjecture on my part. Uh, it, it, didn't even, it didn't even chart, which is weird. Do you think it at least charted? Yeah, well, didn't even yeah. chart, which, which yeah. is strange when you consider, you know, Queen came, you know, the album before had Bohemian Rhapsody, and you think yeah. it at least charted, but it, but apparently yeah. it didn't, which is really strange. But uh, yeah, uh, other than that, um, I think it's an okay song. I don't think it's excellent. I don't think it, you know, it's rubbish. I think it's just a, a pleasant song mm-hmm. that, that, I that, agree. I, that I enjoy. Yeah, it, get, it uh, gets things moving. It just gets things moving to the next track yeah. for me. I think so. I, I, I quite. It's, it's a kind of feel good wee head nodder, you know, just nodding away. Especially the, the you know, the, the, the you know, the, the verses. I quite like them because it just kind of just thumps away along, you know, a nice slow pace, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's quite a kind of relaxed vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a complete song. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's okay. I'm the same. I'm I'm mm-hmm. not offended by. It. I don't think it shouldn't be on it or anything. But it's it's just one of those ones. As um, I suppose you could file it under filler, maybe. But yeah, definitely. You know, but not maybe. bad. That, that's not but, bad but, though. But not bad. Yeah. But you know, decent track. Yeah. Can, so, can I just uh, can I just say sorry, as well? Before, no, just well, just another interesting fact about this song. With uh, apparently that. Um, Brian May uh, tried to record it with a, a Rickenbacker because oh, yeah. it, 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 was, it was apparently like it was, he wanted it to be like a little tribute to John Lennon. But mm-hmm. uh, after he started to try to get the uh, take it, he was trying to drag with it and it didn't sound right. And that's why he, he ruled out for the for the 12 string. Um, but I thought that was, that was quite interesting as well. Okay, uh, George, you want to finish us off with, with Drows then? Talk to us about Drows. Drowse, I, I, I think Drowse is a really good song. I, I can't really fault anything, any Roger songs really. I think they're always, they're always quite uh, strong, and and the sense that you know he conveys exactly what I think he tries to convey in them. Do you know what I mean? And I think this song's no different. It's uh, it's not a very complex song, but I, I love the queasy slide guitar. It's kind of makes it's kind of sickly. It's kind of it's weird. It, it actually, yeah. I've always thought that. I always, I've yeah. always thought of it. Always makes me feel. Always makes me feel like I'm almost I'm drunk. It's like a. Yeah. I think I think maybe listening to the lyrics. Drowsy. Actually, aye, drowsy. And, that, that, and <laughs> I think well, obviously, yeah. aye, obviously, yeah. when, you, when you say it out yeah. loud, yeah. But they're actually mirroring. He's mirroring that with a slide to make. And I've yeah. always thought that it always sounds queasy mm-hmm. and kind of off. It, it sounds off, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But yeah, good Roger song. Um, you know, the vocal performance is, you know, Virgil's a great singer, man. Do you know what I mean? He really is. He's the second best singer in Queen. So, and yeah, it's a good track, man. I enjoy it. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I don't think it's like, you know, I think it's a weird choice to end the album on, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, I know it isn't actually, you know what I mean, the, the end. But, um, well, it isn't the end of my talk, but I'm talking shite. Let's blot that bit out of my fucking like, I was just going to leave you because you were going to make a little point no, about it. But... No, if I drop that bit of fucking dick. I'll chop that bit. Aye, but aye, I've said everything I need to say about it. Aye. Yeah, I, I think it's um, 
It's really cool to hear Roger using a kind of falsetto in his voice for the first time in his lead vocals, um, because normally that would be reserved for the harmonies, and but to hear it on a, a lead vocal where he's actually you know going, going high and 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 I don't think it is full voice. I think it is a falsetto. You know, although we know he can in full voice go pretty high, but I think it is definitely falsetto he's using in that. I, I like the way it comes out of the the, the drowsy part part of the song. Yeah. The, out here in the street. In the street. It's always like, uh, the, typical the, Roger. The, the typical person Roger. wakes up, you know, the person's yeah. woken up from their, their drowsiness, yeah. you know, and yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really, really, really cool. I like that bit yeah. a lot. But again, as, as Joe said, yeah. Roger tracks are just, they're just, they just, they just seem to just be consistently good, you know, yeah, and, solid. And, 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 you know, the ones, some are better than others and all the rest of it, but they're never bad. They're never, never bad. I always, I always look yeah. forward to hearing them. He really misses being a teenager, doesn't he? Aye. Yeah, certainly <laughs> appear that way, aye. aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, some of the lyrics in it are, are great as well. You know, we we broaden our minds more in the pool hall than we did yeah, in the school, school hall and things yeah. like that. Just, just cool, really cool lines in it. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. I think it's cool as well. Like the, uh, again, harking back to the the slide and being drowsy and making you feel kind of sick. You know, as if somebody's off kilter. Uh, I think like you're saying that it was interesting as well that the the change and the, the the vibe of the songs, like you say, when the guy kind of comes to, that's smart songwriting, man. You know what I mean? The way that they've obviously wrote the lyrics to and can you know in conjunction to the vibe of the music. Like this is this is obviously where this. Mood changes, so the, the the actual lyrical theme changes with the mood, which is really really smart as well. Queen are all awesome at doing that as well. Yeah, and and Rogers tracks really add such a different flavour to Queen albums. It's just like mm-hmm. it's they could Rogers tracks can be on a, a, a so many different bands albums, you know, because yeah. they they don't they almost don't sound like Queen songs, and I know that's. Uh, that's an oxymoron because we know that Queen are a diverse band and that's the point of Queen. But, um, you know, Brian and Freddie songs, you know, they're very different from each other, but they still sound very, mm-hmm. you know, stylistic. You know, they, they kind of over. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas Rogers really stick out like so thumb, but not in yeah. a way that makes the album sound like a mess or sound like it mm-hmm. doesn't belong. I just, I think, I just, uh, it's almost like, it's almost like, you know, maybe when you buy the album from the first time, I always talk about this. You know the the guy that buys the album and listens to it. You know, nineteen seventy six. He looks at it and you look at see who wrote all the tracks and you see Roger. Yes, I'm looking forward to the Roger track. You know, mm. I, I think it would be that. You know, I can't wait to hear the Roger track. That would be for definitely. me anyway. I definitely. Yeah, I think if you did like a supercut, uh, Roger's seventies output certainly it, it would be a, a cracking exactly. album. You know, definitely. All I, those tracks, yeah, yeah. A, a, a great album. Like you know. Um, I think I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I know subsequently he was um, influenced by Springste- Springsteen, but I was wondering if maybe there was a slight influence here as well. You know, the just the, the you know his kind of vocal delivery and all that. You know, and the kind of low key. And the Aye, the, 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 the lyric style and all that's very similar as well. That yeah, kind of band yeah. that Springsteen has. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Aye. Um, for, for me, Roger's like a he's like a, he's like a, he's a grounding rod for the for the pomposity element in Queen for some. Uh, that's a that's a really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, he's like he's very very street and and speaking to the kind of working class guy that you know that goes down to the goes down to the pool hall to shoot the shit <laughs> shoot the shit with his friends while Freddie's talking about you know. You know, master strokes and painters and fairies and stuff, which is awesome. I love, I love both. 
course you do. I love both. Of course you but, do, man. Of course, it's, it's, that's why we're here, man. It's, that's that's what makes us makes us bands unique. Unique. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Probably the first podcast, maybe just having talked it through to this point. I don't know when I listen back, I might feel differently, but maybe the first time we haven't really massively gone in, into depth with the songs. We've, we've talked about them you know, stylistically a little bit, but maybe for the first time, certainly how I feel just now, maybe not delve that deep. And I think, I think, not as not as much as other albums, I can see Joe's face looking a bit, oh, maybe not. But I think maybe just because, just compared to the other albums, and my my take on it is, I think because this album is, is just consistently good, mm-hmm. it's not, there's not, there's not an awful lot of moments. This is, this is my, so, so, you know, summary of the album. For me, there's not moments where it really goes stratospheric. So I think it just it's just a consistently good album. So when we talk about A Night of the Opera, the best songs in A Night of the Opera, Death on Two Legs, you know, my personal one that probably similar to you guys, Death on Two Legs, I'm a Love in My Car, Prophet Song, Bohemian Rhapsody. Those songs are better than everything on this. Maybe Somebody to Love could be a contentious one. I'd maybe contend that with maybe one. I'd agree. Two. I'd agree with um, that. But I actually did something. I did something today just to see how it would work. Um, and what I did is I put together a Spotify playlist. So what I did was I substituted the songs I thought were weaker on a night at the opera and put the ones from races in their place. So I went in this kind of order. It was Death and Two Legs, Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy, I'm Loving My Car, You're My Best Friend, Thirty Nine, White Man, and um, Millionaire Waltz was side one. Essentially, and side two is the prophet song. You take my breath away, drows, and Bohemian Rhapsody. And I just album. put it together just mm, to, just to see how it, how it would. Some of the tracks don't really flow, you know. Otherwise, don't really flow well. I just kind of almost took the you know I've mentioned these counterpart tracks and just kind of tried to do it that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so some, I mean, certainly at the end of uh, the prophet song, it doesn't flow into you take my breath away because that naturally flows into love of my life. So that doesn't work. I mm. just kind of cuts off and then goes into something completely different, which is you know. So, but I just wanted to see how it would sound, you know, just to, just to see if it would work. And it, in some some ways, it does. Drows into Bohemian Rhapsody works so bloody well. It's so weird. It sounds like like they should be together. And and good old fashioned lover boy right after death and two legs works perfectly as well. It's so some some work and some and white man's a wee bit alien and where it sits on on that that playlist that I made. But I just thought give it a wee shot and just to see how it would sound. It's but, it's interesting, interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. just just to give it a try. But um, I date the races is an album that I've always had an affinity with. I've always I was talking to Joe about this the, the, a few weeks ago. I think it was and. It's an album that I've always had had a lot of heart for, and I don't know why because it's, there's no significance to this album for me. It wasn't the first album I bought. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything I can really pinpoint that was happening in my life when I heard this album. So I, maybe there was, and I just can't remember. But it's always been an album I've really had a lot of, you know, I, I've always been very protective of it when people have been kind of saying that it's maybe a, a, a you know, the weaker of the two between um, opera and, and, and the album itself. So, yeah, I really, I, th- I just think it's a consistently good album. There's moments on it that, that you know, the, the best tracks on it for me are um, You Take My Breath Away, White Man and Somebody to Love. They're my three absolute belters on that, and I think they are belters. They're, they're great tracks. 
and the rest are all good. The rest are all good, and some some are really good. But these these three tracks are my favourite. And I think I date the races as. You know, Paul talked about palate cleansers on the la- the last album. I think wouldn't necessarily say it's a palate cleanser album. You know, after <laughs> opera, but you could argue that it is because it is a bit more dialed back, and it is maybe as 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 pompous as as opera. Um, so maybe possibly we know what album comes next. We're going to be talking about that next, obviously. And it's yes. And wow, how how does Queen really shift their sound again? You know, yeah. um, on this next one. But, Strip it but anyway, down. that's. That's my thoughts on uh, a date at the races, and uh, Joe, I'll get you. I'll get your thoughts first. Um, how would you? How would you kind of sum up the album? It's been totally rediscovered for me, one hundred percent, man. It's a, like you said, man. Is like it's just a really, really consistent. It's an enjoyable. It's a really enjoyable listen. I think sonically as well. It's very warm. It's a warm album. It's quite an. Sounds pretentious, but it's kind of inviting. It's like, you know what I mean. It's quite an inviting production, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, you can kind of sink yourself into it, uh, you know, with the weight. There's a lot of low end, and like I agree with Paul, I think this is a John Deacon record, man, 100%. I, 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 totally, yeah. feel his, I totally feel his presence in this record. And, uh, you know, I would... Uh, yeah, I would... Uh, any, uh, no way would I say this record is in the shadow of A Night of the Opera, and if, if it is considered that, it's only because Bohemian Rhapsody is on A Night of the Opera. If Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't on A Night of the Opera, uh, I arguably could have said that this is, you know, a, you know, at the time would have been an, a, equally as good a record, you know, if you were following the band at that time. I don't, but I think because obviously, you know, the, the annals, annals of history and stuff like that, you know, it's very easy to dismiss anything that came after Bohemian Rhapsody um, it's been a lesser record, you know. Um, sorry, a night of the opera. Yeah, amazing record. Um, I would out of five, man. I would give it four and a half gongs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think just a point. Um, uh, just I know I've, I've kind of already sum, summarised the album and all that, and I don't want to kind of labour it too much. But w- one thing I did, and I have to be fair in saying this, is when I put that playlist together and I was listening to these tracks. The the majority of the opera ones really stood stood out as being of better quality. They really they really did stick out, and I think that's the point I'm making. You know, um, but opera as a whole for me is not a, is a very you know it's maybe messy. You know, it could be a word to to, dis, to describe it. And it's running order, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, order of tracks and just some of the tracks themselves. Whereas again, the races just flows. And it doesn't maybe take you to the heights of opera as much, or even anywhere close. But just a good solid album. Paul, what's how would you sum up the races for yourself? Yeah, it's a you know it's a great album, and it lives unfairly in the shadow of an of opera. Go go back and give it a listen, and forget about what came before. And you, you might like like Joe, you, you you might almost rediscover it. As being, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? This is a fucking great album, you know, on its own merits. And and as I've, as we've said, there's no Bohemian Rhapsody on it. There's no Prophet Song. There's no absolute over the top, pompous, bombastic, you know, all the rest of it stuff on it. Really, um, Millionaire Waltz gets there, um, gets close, but there's nothing really in that vein on this album. It's more low key, but that. 
I don't know, the, the songs just seem a wee bit more, they're, they're like little stories and stuff, rather than just like, you know, concepts, like a lot of the things on A Night at Opera where, yeah, it's, uh, uh, and as Joe said, it, it's got this warm warmth about it as well, the way it's recorded, uh, perhaps, and and I think just that, you know, the songs themselves, and and as we'll see, Queen, Queen are going to completely almost reinvent themselves again with the next album. So, and, that, and that's what makes this band great, unique, incredible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that is it for us. That is it for our fifth podcast and the fifth Queen album, A Day at the Races. So please, please uh, join us for the next one, album number six and podcast number six for News of the World. And this is one that I know probably all three of us have been really looking forward to. So I'll give you a bit of a clue. Give you a bit of a clue how we feel about this this album coming up. Um, and uh, yeah, please join us for that. I'm really looking forward to that one. And yeah, again, thank you for listening and I hope you continue to do so. And I'd just like to let the gents um, say one, any final words that they want to, to say. Paul, anything? Uh, just cheers, folks. Uh, thanks for your your support and all that. Um, give us give us a, a you know discuss anything with us on Twitter and Facebook and all that. And uh, yeah, uh, see you on the next one. Cheers, Joe. Anything? I just like to say uh, thanks to everybody that's checked out the, the you know the first podcast that we released. If you have if you haven't checked it out, go check it out, and uh, I think you'll. You'll find it interesting. Well, hope you'll find it interesting, and um, I hope you stick with it because us three are really, really enjoying doing this, and obviously finding all these amazing new things. You know about about a band that we've all loved for you know thirty plus years. So hopefully, you know, it'll be beneficial for the listener as well in some capacity. Thanks again. Cheers. Thanks for that, and uh, thanks to everyone out there again. And uh, we'll see you on News of the World. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.